0: I think that was pretty good, don't you? Yeah. I think we can all identify, or some of us can identify with that, and uh, many of us can in one way or another. So uh, the the ushers will be coming with a handout for today's message, but before you get too comfortable, I uh, just want to say happy Father's Day to all of you. I saw Kevin, it's good to have you back. And uh, man, I've been praying for you and your mom, and uh, praise the Lord. But this time of year on Father's Day, uh, this time last year on Father's Day, I should say, rather, we. Uh, we just returned to our normal service. I don't know how many of you were here for that last year. I actually forgot that we did uh, the dads and the donuts last year. And uh, that was a little risky considering everything else that was going on. So we're just wild and crazy around here. But, uh, but it's so good. Isn't it good to be free and uh, be together? And, and I hope we all appreciate worship a little more this year and, uh, and time with our family. Uh, things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, and times when we can get together. And I do pray you have a blessed Father's Day today. Um, And so I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, And if you are a dad, a father, I'd just like you to stand for just a moment. And uh, I want to honor you as as you are standing this morning. And I want to also charge you. So all you dads in the house, yeah, I can see the exuberance. Man, we've been giving you donuts. It's not time to sleep yet. So that'll that'll get you up. And uh, man, praise the Lord. And some of you guys are new dads. And there's some praying dads in here, some folks wanting to be dads. And some of you are spiritual dads, and uh, I know what it's like uh, to go many years uh, without having children, and uh, man, I don't want to overlook the spiritual fathers either. I appreciate those of you that are bringing people to Christ and and, uh, and bringing people into the kingdom of God. Uh, as you're standing here, fathers, before we uh, just give you some uh, love and pray over you, uh, I want to charge you from the Word of God and uh, read a few passages of Scripture, the first being Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 7. The Bible says a just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. So I, I charge you fathers uh, and these men standing here just to continue to be single-hearted. Uh, I pray that God maximizes your impact on the lives of your physical children, and if you have spiritual children, most certainly your spiritual children. Uh, the other passage that I'd like to quote is Psalm thirty-seven twenty-six. Uh, this passage says, He is merciful and lendeth. And his seed is, uh, he is ever merciful, I'm sorry, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. And so based on that passage, I just charge each and every one of you standing today to, um, you know, to be full of mercy and compassion uh, because of the mercy and compassion that God has bestowed upon you. Uh, Your Heavenly Father loves you, and for that, you can love others also. And may your seed, both physically and spiritually, be blessed after you. Another passage that I would like to to share is Psalms 112, verses 1 and 2. It says, Praise ye, the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. So uh, I pray to the fathers, or pray to the Father, for you fathers, uh, that each of you have a rich relationship with the Father in heaven. Because that's really where it all starts, and then that uh, you continue to be blessed in word and deed throughout this year, the rest of your life, should the Lord tarry until the catching of the way, or catching us uh, away into the clouds. And then Proverbs 23 and verse 24 is the next passage, and the final passage I'll be reading. Uh, It says, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. And so fathers, I I pray that your father in heaven rejoices when he beholds your steadfast faith, your obedience, uh, and that... uh, of course, the fruit that uh, you lead will just continue to grow after you and come up in the way they should go. And I know that's not always quick, even like that, that video. You know, sometimes you may feel like it's going to take a while, but uh, be encouraged in the Lord. Um, you know, fathers, uh, if this, is, uh, this charge finds you failing, right? Sometimes you can look at these things and think, I don't have any fruit. I'm really not following the Lord. I just want you to know that we love you, and uh, this church is here to help you. We have a Heavenly Father, uh, and He does want to bless you. And he wants to bless both your physical seed and, most importantly, uh, the spiritual seed of his word in our hearts and to those that we invest it in. So if you can remain standing for just a moment, I just want to pray over these fathers. Uh, Fatherhood is under attack in our nation uh, and really around the world right now. And so uh, as well as anything that is biblical um, in regard to God's structure, the local church, the family, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, and so it's important that we are praying and we're sincerely praying for uh, men, uh, especially those in the in the family, uh, as well as mothers and, and uh, the, the, the structure that God has ordained. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray to uh, you for these fathers. Lord, we've cited several passages that uh, are blessings, and then we know, Lord, that the Word of God uh, tells us very clearly and promises us both in the Old Testament and then Paul reiterates in the New Testament, there's a blessing to honoring you, the Father, honoring our earthly fathers. And, and, Lord, I pray there's a blessing to our church even this moment honoring uh, these fathers. Lord, just exalting in a time like this the role of fatherhood. Uh, it is so incre- incredibly important to the health of the family, Lord, the health of the church, and, of course, ultimately the health of society. Uh, Lord, this is an institution that's under attack. Uh, Lord, these men are, uh, are warriors. They are under attack right now. I pray, God, that you would uh, build them up in the faith, Lord, today. I pray even the things that we talk about this morning would encourage them. I pray they would know that, uh, Lord, you have your good hand upon them, and, Lord, you want to use them above and beyond what they ask and even think, because, Lord, you're glorious. And we pray, God, that uh, you would just bless these men, uh, if they're married, their wives, Lord, if they have uh, children, their their children, their grandchildren, if they have grandchildren, their posterity behind them. Lord, ultimately, I pray that each and every one of these men would exemplify you, Father, and that uh, that would be reproduced in the lives of those with whom they lead. We thank you and we praise you for these men. We pray a blessing upon them this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. We may be seated. We appreciate you. Now, being a dude and a dad, I know how it is. You really don't want to go through all that. You know, it's like give me a donut, let me stay in the back. But it is important and I appreciate you guys participating. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of 1 John. We're in the book of 1 John this morning. I believe we're on page 1,630. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you or near you. Uh, There should be one in there. Uh, And uh, you can turn to page 1,630 or 31 in that area and find our text this morning. We're in the book of 1 John in the back of the New Testament. Uh, So it's not the John, the epistle of John, the the fourth epistle in the New Testament. It's the one in the back. Uh, you might want to start in Revelation and go forward through Jude, and then you'll get to uh, Third John, Second John, I hit First John, chapter 2, we'll be in verse 7 this morning. And as we're talking about fathers, I'm reminded of what Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 20 says, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And so, you know, a wise son makes a glad father. And I pray today that, that all of us uh, make God happy, right, that we make him happy, because when we don't, we're heavy, like we're heavy. Uh, and and uh, and so Jerusalem above is the mother of us all, and you know you don't want to be dragging down heaven, right? So uh, let's let's follow the Lord in obedience. A wise son who heeds the admonition of the Word of God, uh, as we approach this chapter on Father's Day, uh, will will really be blessed as uh, as 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 they obey the Word of God. And so, if if, if is there one person uh, this week who has like taken to heart. Uh, what, we, what we learned last week regarding our need to actually, um, you know, engage in the Word of God. Um, you know, last week we were in the Word of God and we were talking about how the Word needs to impact our lives, it needs to impact the lives of others. So, um, I just was wondering this morning, has anyone got a testimony, something you read personally from the Word of God that's impacted you, that you were able to share with anybody else? I don't have a handheld, so I'm not going to put you on the recorder. Anybody? You're like, wait a minute, you always are a one-way guy. Now I'm asking you, you want to participate. Because so, last week, remember we talked about how important it is to be in God's Word. It's important to have a relationship with God's Word. Uh, and it affects our walk, right? If we're not, wa- if we're, if we're not in the Word, we're not going to walk right. And so I hope, that, I, hope that, uh, I hope that this week you have processed what we're talking about. You didn't just like forget it, leave it in the pew, walk out the door, and then think oh, I'm going to come back for some more because if we're not doing the first things then we're really just going through the motions. And so I'm not here just to play. We got to actually apply the word of God in our lives. You can ask my family I'm asking are you reading the word? What did you get? You know I'm 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 because it's important that we are in we. I'm not saying me. I'm saying we are in the word of God else we won't make any impact. Our walk will, will not match our talk. And uh, we can all talk all day long, but we got to walk out what we learn, right? And so uh, so, keep that in mind. I may be coming back to you each week and saying, "Hey, what did you learn and give me a, give me a little bit of feedback on on what god 's doing in your life because I expect you all to actually take what we 're learning and apply it and uh, and do something with it and so and so we 've learned uh, from last week in first John chapter two and verse five that that those who keep god 's Word in them will have the love of God perfected, and that 's how we know that we are in Him. If we abide in him, we should walk." In him first John two six that's first John two six paraphrase, and so last week, when we talked about how we need to, to need help walking, remember we talked about the child and need, they need help to walk and all of those things and um, and so that is so true when you're a young child. this week we're going to start really a, a sermon series it's going to take me several weeks to really to really get a hold of everything I want to bring out on this topic but I've, I've titled it Bringing. Uh, relationships to light, bringing relationships to light. And that's really what we see in First John chapter 2, is John is is helping the saints uh, bring relationships to light. When I say bring them to light, you'll learn more about that as we go, but it's in the light of God's word, how we're to walk, how we're to interact, and and how we're to glorify God. Now on your handouts, uh, I, uh, by the way, if you didn't get a handout, anybody not get a handout? Uh, Bob didn't get a handout, so maybe if one of the ushers, and okay, if you need a handout, just keep your hand up, and I'm sure Lance or someone will bring that to you, and uh, or my wife, and so uh, so somebody will get you a handout. So and thus we ran out of handouts. So um, if you could, uh, I think Kayla's taking care of that. So I appreciate that. So on your handout, um, I'm not going to teach do all these uh, these uh, these uh, boxes on there, but I want you to just see just some structure because when you're in First John. It's uh, it's it's really it's like I kind of liken it to solar systems. Everything is rotating around everything else. It's kind of a weird uh, outline format. As, as Gentiles, uh, most of us have a Gentile background. We think very linearly, you know, point one, point two, point three. Uh, but really, what what John is doing, the more I study the First John, is is almost everything you need to know is in that first chapter that we've already covered, and then everything else he says just keeps expanding on it and expanding on it and expanding on it. It's like it's orbiting around chapter one and just expanding on, uh, you know, different uh, aspects of the truth that's been laid forth in the first chapter, which is really an oriental way of thinking. That's how oriental folks, uh, Hebrews would think. And that's how John wrote. And so um, and so I I put a little outline together. When you look at the chapter, you can see a lineal format in that in that God is addressing through John four primary relationships, little children um, which is the foundation, right? And then brethren, we're going to talk about fellowship today. He deals with fathers, really touches on them pretty lightly, and then young men, uh, the fighting force of the body of Christ. And so I've given you the passages and the volume of verses. More verses are written to uh, children than anyone else in this third chapter. And he really continues that pattern as he goes forth. And so, um, and there's a description. Really what we're seeing in chapter one is is information to learn how to walk, right? Knowing For growing, learning to walk with God through the Word, learning to walk with others in the Word, we'll be talking about that today. And then that personal knowledge of the Word. He's very short with fathers; he doesn't have a lot to say other than you know him, right? And so we ought to be reflecting the one we know. And then he deals with young men and and persevering uh, knowledge of the Word. These men are have have overcome the wicked one. He repeats himself twice with both the fathers and the young men. So in the New Testament, we see seven stages of spiritual development so you can see that that john is thinking about these steps now he's he's kind of boiled the seven steps down to three uh three steps which makes it really easy for people like us we actually have this outline in our in our discipleship uh training and also i believe in our d2 course but uh i've given you those seven stages of spiritual growth you can see the babes the little children uh, the children the young men the fathers the elders and the aged and Uh, You can just, you know, obviously, we know through this world and this life, that is how, hey, if you need a handout, just raise your hand, and uh, there's several with hands up, and and Rex will get you that, Caleb will get you one, so that'll be good, Uh, and so I think Amy will need one now, right? No? She, you can get, you're hooked up, you can get one if you need one, so, uh, and so, uh, so I just kind of wanted to start there, because some of you may be coming to this church, and and this is really important to understand that God is developing people, right? He's taking them from where they're at, and he's growing them. And, and you really how he does that is he seeks out men and women, right? And then he engages us in his mission. He, he informs us. That's why so much is written. A volume is written to the children. Because when you're young, you know, when people are, when literal children are young, they're just like sponges of information, aren't they? They just process all this data. He's got all this data that he is pouring into these, these baby Christians, and as you get older, right, you can only retain a little bit of that. And so, the older the the, the cycle gets, actually, the the information gets shorter. Uh, it's kind of interesting. But the reality is, is the re, there's a repository for those fathers, those elder, elders, those ages. That's called wisdom. It's not just knowing information. It's actually knowing how to apply the information, right? That makes you wise, right? It's not just hearing it. It's doing it. Uh, to quote uh, James, in that right Sam? So, so. Uh, Uh, so it's knowing the word and doing the word and so that is exactly what that what where john is going in this epistle and some of us here at heartland maybe you just you're new to the church we have a process for informing people called discipleship we have discipleship one uh then we have discipleship two then we have heartland bible institute that completes our formal discipleship process and that could take you know five seven years whatever it takes um if you really got busy after it maybe uh, from salvation to, to the end of HBI, you could really fast-track it in one, two, yeah, maybe six years. That um, it, seems like a lifetime for many people, but it goes like that. But at the end of that, are you going to be are you going to be a father? Are you going to be an elder? Are you going to be aged? Well, that just depends on what, not just getting information, it's actually how you apply it, right? And so to whom much is given, much is required. So just having information and regurgitating it is not the, the measure it's actually living it out. And that's why, Paul, or Paul, that's why John is writing this epistle, because everything that the church is doing at this time, after the, after the, uh, the uh, sacking of Jerusalem and the dispersion of the Jews in 70 A.D., the church is under attack. There's 10 Roman persecutions coming. Theology is under attack. And this epistle is, is uh, the only place he emphasizes the fact that he is writing to these people very personally. He's letting them know, this is for you. You need, to, you need to pick up what I'm laying down. So I want to just uh, get into the text that we're going to cover this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. Um, I'll let you stay since I've had you standing already. Um, I'll go ahead and let you sit. But uh, in honor of God's word, we'll stand in our hearts uh, and uh, read the word of God. 1 John chapter 2, and verse 7. The Bible says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have uh, had from the beginning, The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes." the wicked one. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you this morning for loving us, giving us uh, your son, allowing us to be uh, called sons of God and be uh, in your kingdom and be uh, claiming you now as our father in heaven. Heavenly Father, thank you for the divine nature that you have imparted to us through your son, Jesus Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for giving us wisdom through your word. I pray like the sons of Proverbs, we'd pick up the word of God today and we'd apply it to our lives. This passage is written to the broadest group in this in this particular chapter which is the brethren and I pray heavenly father that you would unite us today around not just the hearing of your word but the doing thereof. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so we're talking about bringing relationships to life. You should be on the flip side of your note sheet. And the first thing that we want to do is make sure that we can see clearly. We want to see clearly. In verses 7 through 9 there's some confusion. Among people, if you might read a commentary or something like that, people don't always grasp what's going on here in the text. But it's pretty clear, actually, if you just follow the, the, the Spirit of God and, and take the Word of God and, and break it down. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7, before I jump into too much expo- you know, exposition and breaking this thing apart, I just want you to see that John addresses brethren, not babies. Uh, in 1 John 2 7, he says, Brethren. So he's talking about everybody uh, that is born again. Right? He's talking about the brethren. In this case, he is not talking like, uh, like Paul would in Romans about his Hebrew brethren. He's talking about everybody who is in the church. The word brethren is only used in this passage and uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, a total of four uh, mentions in the entire epistle of 1 John. And by this time, most if not all of John's fellow apostles, they've been martyred. Uh, but, <clears throat> but you know what? By God's grace, he still has many brethren. Why is that? Because they were preaching the gospel and making disciples, right? They were adding to the church and multiplying through the process of discipleship. The word of God, uh, you know, you get saved by the, the word of God, the seed of God's word, quickening our hearts. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And then we propagate. And so though John is growing older, the church is still multiplying. Though the church is under persecution, we learned in Acts, that's the miracle grow for the church. And so we should be preparing uh, to grow like this church if if we think things are getting harder well then, you know what that means our ranks will probably get larger right so that means we got to be more prepared to impart the word of God than ever before we got to be more ready to know God's word and teach God's word than any other time that maybe perhaps we've been alive and so it's important that we are taking the word of God seriously like John was so he's talking to the brethren and he's and God is continuing to bless the brotherhood he'll <clears throat> and he'll get into that a little further in the third chapter we discussed that we're all sons of God, but I'll get to that later. So, um, so we're never too old to obey God's commandment. Isn't that interesting? You know, packed in the midst of this, uh, this discussion, he packs between my little children and little children a discussion with the brethren because we're never too old to do the basics, even in, like, professional sports. You know when things break down? When professional athletes don't do the basics. In any, any sport, same thing with, a, with the military engagement, right? It is, the, it is the basics. It is the, I call it blocking and tackling if it's football, right? Uh, I'm sure in every in every endeavor, there are the fundamentals that have to be done. You can be the most sophisticated at whatever you're doing, but if you don't do the basics, if you don't do the fundamentals, right, then you're going to have problems. I was just sharing with someone this last week. I don't even remember who it was, but we were having a discussion about uh, fundamentalism and, and church history. and um, does, does, does anybody remember who that was? Because it's probably in the room. I don't know. Was he as Okay, I'm like, who was we talking about? Okay, so we were talking about that very thing. Where did fundamentalism come from? Well, fundamentalism, which is a curse word today, it's really just a, it's an, it's a, it's a, what's old is new, right? Uh, German rationalism and, and European rationalism, Hegel and all of that was, was just wearing down the saints in the 1800s, right? Making everything the Bible says, um, you know, basically irrelevant as far as in the minds of people. And so Bible preachers that stood up and they said, wait a minute, we got to get this out of the churches, got to get this out of the seminary because the Bible's true and these are the fundamentals, right? And almost every church that you go to that believes the word of God is going to have these fundamentals of the faith in their statement, right? And and those essentials. Really what we teach in our discipleship one are the fundamentals of the faith, the basics. If you don't have the fundamentals, then you are in trouble. The adversary is going to come in and sweep Uh, sweep you out but you know what? once you get the fundamentals down you become very dangerous uh, to the adversary to the kingdom and so it's uh, to the kingdom of darkness I I might say and so uh, God has brought us into the kingdom of light and it's important that we understand the basics of the Bible the fundamentals you're never too old brethren to go back and and learn the fundamentals every time I teach discipleship one it's a learning experience for me it's sometimes it's a learning experience of what I haven't not maybe forgotten, but what I I've, what I've, haven't been doing, what I've neglected. Has that ever happened to somebody? You always learn more when you teach. And when you're teaching someone else, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. I, how can I teach that if I'm not doing that, right? And so that's why it's also good to go back and do fundamentals. Every time spring training comes around, football camp comes around, whatever camp comes around, what are the, what are the athletes? No matter how good they are, what are they doing? They're practicing the fundamentals, uh, just because you learn the fundamentals and basic training doesn't mean you throw them out right you just build upon the fundamentals and so that's so important to the body of Christ so so John is he's writing and he's talking about fundamental doctrine but he's including all the brethren because we all need the fundamentals and one of the things that's a little confusing to folks is when you see this he, in the text there he says in in the verse 7 he says Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which, is, uh, which you had in the beginning. Uh, and then he goes down to verse 8, and he says, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. And if you just read it on its face, and you don't know uh, the depth of what God's talking about there, you can get confused. Uh, but that's our next point, point Point B. Contrast, <coughs> um, the contrast, of the contrast of, well, that note is wrong. Brings clarity, not contradiction. Contrast brings clarity, not contradiction. Does your say of? Well, get rid of that of. That shouldn't have been there. Sorry, that's my bad. I didn't catch that. I apologize. So it just should be contact, contrast brings clarity, not contradiction. What John is doing here is he's contrasting some biblical truth. And so in 1 John 2, 7, he says, I write no new commandment unto you, uh, and in 1 John 2, eight, he says, And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. So John is pointing out that the old commandment is now new because the darkness of sin has been eradicated and we have now been made light. And I really believe he has read the epistle uh, written to the Thessalonians by Paul. It says there in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night and they that are drunken are drunken in the night but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. And so those of us that are walking in the daylight in the day in the light of Christ, we just came through Malachi, right? We know Jesus is a son of righteousness. Well man, there ought to be a way that we comport ourselves. We are children of light, we're children of the day. And we are not of darkness. And so John is referencing also for uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. The oldest commandment in the scripture is found there. And uh, if you have your Bible, I know I'm going to have the verses up there, but if you want to look there, I'm going to be here for a minute. So you might want to flip back to Genesis and lay your eyeballs on this. Genesis chapter 1 and, and verse uh, 1. Of course, many of you know that by heart, but it still doesn't hurt, right? To go over the fundamentals, the basics. And it also helps us because we know the more we go back to the basics, we see, just like this epistle of John, the deeper it gets. There's more truth, and there's more truth, and there's more truth. And so in, first, in uh, first John, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, well, I don't see any commandments there, so let's look at verse 3. Well, all of a sudden, we see God's voice, right? It says, and God said, what did he say? Let there be light. And there was light. God spoke it, uh, light into existence. And if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, was that physical light? No, it was spiritual light. He was dividing the, the, the dark from the light. And we know uh, later, because it's the fourth day before the, the, the physical light is created in the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars. And so he's dividing the light from the darkness, day from night, as he calls them. And we looked at the significance of how that plays out through the whole Bible. And part of that was what we just read a moment ago in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if you don't remember that, you can go back and listen to that. But this was spoken after the fall of Satan. So Jesus said to his disciples in Luke ten eighteen, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And it was at that point God separated the throne, uh, his throne in the third heaven, created the firmament, or what we call outer space. Firmament means space. We call it outer space. And, and began his work on the dry ground that he calls earth in Genesis 1-9. And so you can see that yourself. Just look there in the text. So God doesn't create the sun and the moon and the stars until the fourth day. Down there in verse 14. Look at that, just in case you're wondering. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament, that space, of heaven, to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament, in the space, right, of heaven, to give light unto the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And, and to rule over, over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So we see that the physical light that we see this morning as the sun rises and the stars in heaven and the moon at night. All those are just physical pictures of what God is wanting to accomplish spiritually. Because we, beloved, we reflect the light of Christ, right? We are light-bearing. And so we, we, we're more like stars than we actually are like the moon. But we reflect it to a dark world. And so God wants us to reflect his image and his light. And so the, what you see in creation is actually just a picture of the spiritual truth that, that is being laid out by John. It's much deeper. As incredible as the physical creation is, the spiritual truth is even deeper. And so it's an amazing thing. So uh, it's just, I could go on a whole message just right there, but I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> And so it's not until the seventh day that the word heavens appears in chapter 2 and verse 1. And by the time you get to that sixth day ending and you go to the seventh day, the work is done and he says, thus the heavens, now it's plural, and, and, the, and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And so we know from the, the New Testament when Jesus came to this earth, he died, he rose again, he, he went to the throne after he ascended and he presented himself and he comes back. You know, within about an hour later, and he's walking on the road to Emmaus with the other disciples. He's eating with the disciples and all of that. And later on, as Paul gets saved on the road to uh, Damascus, uh, he talks about later in his epistles getting caught up to the third heaven. And he says paradise is there. What's the third heaven? Well, there's this heaven around the earth. There's the, the expanse of the firmament, outer space. And then there's the throne of God, which is a literal place. It's not just something. When I was lost, I used to think of heaven like nirvana, you know, just like, Oh man, in some mystical location, you know, but heaven is a place, and we're gonna we get there through Jesus Christ, and so uh, so God has this all laid out. And by the way, that's why the tabernacle, right, and the temple, you have an outer court, an inner court, and the holy of holies. And so the only one that's going to get you to the holy of holies is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's all these pictures, and and I could go on all day talking about that stuff, but it's important that you understand that when John's talking about the light. He's, he's saying something. John is expanding on what he has already written in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. I've already mentioned that. He said in chapter 1 and verse 5, This then is the message. I mean, this is the meat and bones which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Right? And so uh, even though the, the temple, right, was in darkness, the brightest place on the planet to be under Solomon's reign was in that, in that compartment and the Holy of Holies. Why? Because the spiritual light was there. So if that was the case in the Old Testament, and you're now a body, soul, and spirit, and your soul's been redeemed if you're born again, where do you think the light resides? In you. That's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. So we cannot separate God's command from his nature. Not only did he separate light from darkness, he is light and can have nothing to do with darkness. John 8:12 12 says, "Then spoke Jesus again unto them, "I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life." Now he says that, as he's in a human body, interacting with men, and so he has found a way, God in His holiness, has found a way to connect with men. And how did he do that? Through his Son. It's his ambassador. Uh, and that's why Jesus Christ is so important in 1 John chapter 1 and 2 right? uh, chapter uh, 2 verses 1 and 2 we saw that Jesus is our advocate and that he is our propitiation he became our sacrifice for sin so we can have entrance into his marvelous light and so we intuitively understand that Jesus is talking about spiritual light however when he returns to this earth his glory will also be uh, so bright that he will also have a physical uh, aspect of that light it's amazing and so this is—it is it is spiritual, but it's also, in, in the terms of his return, it will illuminate creation. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 22, the Bible says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. I mean, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. So all these incredible things, from creation to the tabernacle, all of these types in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Christ, and he is the light of the world. And not only is he the light of the world because he's shining through us today like the stars at night on a dark earth, but someday he's going to come back and he will illuminate the universe. It's amazing. Verse 23 of Revelation 21 says, And the the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved, shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now that's speaking, that could be seven years from now. If the Lord took us out, well, it would be seven in a few months to get to the right place on the calendar to start the tribulation. But anyway, it could be just over seven years from now, we could actually be seeing something like that. Isn't that crazy to think about? We think about this thing out here, the millennial reign of Christ, as though because it's, it's a thousand years, it's a long time. But it could commence in about a little over seven years. Seven years and a few months. It gives us August probably. And so it's amazing to consider all of that. And so Revelation 22.5, now this is dealing with New Jerusalem. This is after the millennium. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So the next time you hear that great invitation, right, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Man, beloved, it isn't just that it's easy to be cheesy, right? It's not that it's easy to be in Christ. It's What it is is God has given you and I, if you're born again, the burden of bearing his light. We are to walk in the light so others can see the light. Because there is a war to pe- keep people in darkness. And Revelation 21 is dealing with Jesus being the light. Revelation 22 is dealing with those who follow Jesus into eternity bearing His light. So not only are we in the light, but John is making it clear that the light is in us. In chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him, in him, and in you. Now, this is why we don't just study the concepts of God. We study uh, the words of God. Study the words of God. Every word of God is important. He says "This, this thing is true not only in him, which we just talked about, it's, so, it's going to be so manifest, nobody in the universe can miss it, that Jesus Christ is light in every sense, spiritual light, physical light, however you want to define it. He is, the, he is the definition of what true light is. The light that you see radiating in this room, the light that we see coming from the sun, isn't the true light, it's a picture of the true light. Now, we can just stop there and our minds will explode, because I'm not even sure what I just said. But that's amazing to think about what that really means. That's deep. And so, so praise God for that. But the reality is that light, the, the glorious light of the third heaven, it's on a spectrum that's shining through us. And the only thing that will keep that thing from shining the way it ought is our obedience. There was a guy named, uh, well, not a guy, he was a cherub one time. His job, his sole purpose was to reflect light and bring honor and glory to God. But you know what? He chose not to. God gives, he gives cherubs free will. He gives us free will. Even after we're saved, in 1 John 3 and verse 2, John will write, It doth not appear, yet appear, what we shall be. But God hath already given us his insight through his word that the light came on in our life and the darkness fled the moment we trusted Christ as Savior. In John chapter 1, as, as he's being announced by John the Baptist, he, it says John the Baptist, was not that light, capital L, but was sent to bear witness of that light, capital L. Again, another proper uh, noun describing Jesus Christ. One of his names is light, right? It's not just that he is light with a small L. He is, he's light. He's the definition of light. And so it goes on to say in that passage that that, uh, that was the, the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So for our friends, Caddy corner across the way over here that think, well, Jesus Christ wasn't God. What do you do with that? Jesus Christ, we've already seen he spoke the world into existence. If you, you know, really look closely at my cross references from earlier and now we see that he is the light and right here, it's, he also saw Satan fall from heaven and we also see here that That the world was made by him. We could cross-reference that to the Old Testament as well and see other verses that say the same thing. Jesus Christ is God. So when he said, let there be light, right? He is the personification of light. And he turned on the lights in a dark universe. And guess what? March twenty fifth, 1987, I knelt down and I said, Jesus Christ. However I said it, I don't remember exactly, but with all my heart, I said, Jesus, come into my heart and save me boom, the light came on in my life. And you know what happened as well? The darkness fled. The darkness fled right out of me. It was amazing. And so now, man, we are in the light. So what has changed since Genesis 1-3? That the light of the world is now in us. What in the world happened? Well, in John 2 and verse 8, he says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth we are uh, we are to let the light of Christ shine through us to a dark and dying world in second corinthians 4 and verse 1 the bible says therefore seeing that we have this ministry as we have received mercy we faint not but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not handling the word of god, or not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of god deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And then this verse But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom and I mentioned this last week, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we are in a conflict. It's a conflict over light and darkness. And John's writing, he says, "Brother, I'm not going to give you a new commandment. This commandment is as old as Genesis 1-3. But I'm writing you a new commandment. Because now the light source is coming not only from the light, it's coming from you. The new, you're now engaged in this conflict. You are now engaged in getting the light where it needs to go. How are you doing today? Right? We got opportunities. This just so happens. We got opportunities right now. To get the light where it needs to go. We're making Bibles. That's, that's good. That's the light. We're getting the light out that way. But practically speaking, we got some of the easiest on-ramps for evangelism that you're ever going to see. And so coming up on July 4th, uh, we're going to go to the park, and we're going to hand out water. We're going to talk to people, and we're going to share Christ. I'm going to get up, and do, we're going to do some uh, questions and answers about American history and give some giveaways, and then we'll preach Christ. We'll talk about liberty, we'll talk about love, we'll talk about different aspects that are just tied to all of those founding principles, and we'll, we'll, and we'll just preach the gospel. It's simple. You can come out and be a part of that. That's getting the light to the world, right? This, the church service today is about Christians, right? My job is to equip the saints of God in the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God. And so it's not just to be teaching you or preaching to you, it's to actually engage us as a whole to go out into this world and accomplish the mission. This week, VBS. I hope we're not just just, I hope we're teaching our kids. Amen. But I hope we invite people from our community, right? We need to invite moms and dads and kids and families out. Why? Because we want to we want to get the light where it needs to go. This world is actively being engaged and blinded in darkness. Well, where are they going to get the light? Oh Jesus, help! And God's like, Yeah, help me. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. Get on the other end of that business and get it going. Well, you know, I've, I've learned a lot since I got saved, and I don't have to go out and share the gospel anymore like I used to when I was wild-eyed. Oh, really? That just might be the help that Jesus needs. I mean, that's really what we need to be doing is getting the gospel where it needs to go on time. And so another easy on-ramp, we're doing this faith and family thing, and I know some of you, I don't even, I don't even like the MLB, honestly, after what they were doing in Atlanta. It's still silly. But the reality is, I don't really care. The bottom, I want to get the gospel where it needs to go. So I'm going to go down, and I'm going to try to Work with the Scott, Scott Dawson group, and we're going to see if we can get some people saved. Does anybody want to go? All right, we got a couple. So if you want to get involved on that, uh, get a hold of me. I'll get you on ramped, and you can get trained to be a counselor. Or even easier—I mean, it's just super easy. Just invite someone who's lost. We got ten-dollar tickets. Invite them to the game, and wait till the guy preaches, and and see if they get saved. You know, it's just like taking the fish uh, to, you know. Putting them on the hook for somebody. I don't know. Uh, and so, I mean, that, it, it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any easier than that. Beloved, we got to find ways to shine the light. Now, love is definitely the best way to do it. Just love some people until the God, God gives you an open door, and he will open the door. Ephesians 5.8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness. Okay, you know, you weren't sometimes in darkness. Ye were sometimes darkness. All right, when I was lost, I was darkness. But now... Are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Man, praise God. Now, now, not next week, not tomorrow, right now are we lights in the world. We are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Walk like a light child. Walk like Jesus. The lesson John is teaching us is about light. The blank is light. 1 John 2, 9 and 10. He said, or uh, 2, yeah, 9 and 10. He that saith he is in the light. Here really is the the, the condensed version of what he's trying to get across: He that saith he is in the light, and here it comes and hateth his brother, is in darkness even till now. Now you would think, you would think that if that, that from everything I've said thus far, that the measure of whether you're walking in the light or not is you going out and witnessing to people, isn't that right? That's kind of how I put it because it is true. But what's going to hinder you from going out and being the light in this world is not your love for the lost. It's your hatred for your brothers. Get that down. What's going to keep you from being a light in this world and going out and doing what you're supposed to do and sharing the light in the dark world is not your love or your hatred for the world. It's your hatred for your brother. It's the family. It's if you have a dysfunctional family, you are not going to have very functional reproduction happening in that family, right? if if mom and dad are not square if they're if they're if they're if they're messed up guess what the kids are going to get messed up and then those kids are going to reproduce that and it gets generational right we've seen that in our culture i mean again we are literally we are literally under a, a systematic attack <laughs> of of everything that god created from gender to family to truth you know all of that stuff But the reality is we don't move. We don't budge. The Bible is what it is. We are who we are. We don't have to try to pretend. We are the light. All we got to do is love God and love one another. And beloved, then you know what? That will ramp up your evangelism. And you know what you'll have? Is a family unit that people want to be a part of. Now let me tell you something. In this world, with all the fracturing, with all the crazy, people know. People understand. People aren't stupid. They know things are crazy. Where is the only place they're going to find truth? Where is the only place where they're going to find a functional family? Well, beloved, it better be in the church of the living God. And it was just like that in the first century, just as it is in the last. The Apostle John is saying, listen, beloved, we got to keep this thing wired tight. we got to love one another or our light is not going to make it out to the dark and dying world. we got to have a place where people can grow so that they can go. The church has to be an environment, an, a, a, a greenhouse so that people can come in and they can get rooted and they can get grounded and they can grow up so that they can grow out. Their roots can go deep so they can bear fruit and that fruit can remain and it can reproduce and it has to be functional. Now, you may be going, man, Brian, I'm dysfunctional. You know what? We, this church is like, we welcome every dysfunctional person on the planet here. Why? Because Jesus Christ is enough. He, the power of Christ is enough to change our dysfunction into function. Right? he is able to place us in the body, and he's got a wrench to fit every nut, man. And he will fix us so that we can be light-bearing creatures, the people that he has created us to be. So the lesson John is teaching is about light and the light that we need to be bearing. So when we read the Old Testament, we see very clearly that Cain was speaking to the light, but he was not walking in the light because he allowed his jealousy and pride to blind him from the promise that God had made to him in Genesis 4-7. It says in Genesis 4, 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is this, his countenance fallen? If thou doest well, right? If you just com- obey my command, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And he's talking about the blessings. He's like, hey, Cain, just do what I tell you, man, and you're going to rule over your brother Abel anyway, so just bring the sacrifice I asked for. I appreciate your hard work in the field, but that's not the sacrifice. That's not the the type I need. My anti-type is me. I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When I say bring a lamb, bring a lamb! Because the lamb is going to be the propitiation for sins. Do what I tell you, Cain. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Here we have the first physical murder in the scripture. And it was committed by a brother who would not believe God's promises over his own pride, emulation and jealousy, and his own self-will. He was of his father, the devil, John chapter 8. So Jesus told Cain, if you simply trust my word and walk in the light of my commandment, it will be a blessing to you. But Cain would not obey the word, even if he believed it. And he believed him. Even if he believed Jesus, he wasn't going to obey so Paul warns us that these who portray uh, that they're walking in the light but are actually walking full of darkness are dangerous. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You notice there it says they are transforming themselves into a, a, an apostle of Christ. It's not the work of Christ doing it in them. They're making themselves out to be something they're not. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. In the first century, before even this was written by John, there were already people walking around purporting to represent the light, but were in darkness, even in pulpits. Beloved, that's dangerous. And so... That's why the, the, uh, we take the ordinance of the Lord's Supper very seriously at Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Until Jesus returns and changes these vile bodies into light-bearing vessels uh, even, on, even more than they are now, uh, man, we've got to stop as often as we do right? to remember what in the world holds us together. Who is it that holds a group of wild Indians together like us? What in the world? I remember once we started the church many, many years ago, I, it really, really, as we grew and continued to grow, I realized that there is nothing that keeps this many people going one direction other than Jesus Christ himself. I and mean, there's so many opportunities for schism just in this room, let alone, you can have a room of 12 people. What keeps us unified, it isn't me, and it isn't you, it's Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, he keeps us unified. Now, I'm preaching this right now with a great, clear conscience because our church is unified right now. A few years ago, this would have been hard for me to preach. But right now, man, we're in a good place. But you know what? We've got to stop and we've got to remember as often as we do, right? So we stay in a good place. So we stay. The, mission, or the vision of Heartland is Philippians 2, to be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. You know, I've always dreamed of like, getting a big, heavy spotlight. I couldn't do it anyway probably with the airport. We would probably have airplanes running into our building and just blasting a light that's so big that when you drive up I-49 everybody would say man, there's that church with the light You know, we're a light in the midst of a crooked perverse nation, but you know what at the end of the day God says no Just be that light the spiritual light Could we be a light like that? I hope we can So jesus set forth uh the new commandment And he replaced the the type with himself In John 13, 34, here comes the real real deal. Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So John is just quoting what Jesus said in John 13. He says, This is an old commandment, but it's a new commandment. I need you to love. John chapter 13, 34, I need you to love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. Now you say, well, Brian, I thought it was let there be light. That is how there's light. When we love one another, guess what? The light comes on. Philadelphia church age, Revelation chapter three. You know why the gospel went all over the planet? What's Philadelphia mean? We're doing this on church history on Wednesday night. Somebody give me love. brotherly love. Brotherly love turned the lights on to the entire world. Opened a door that no man could shut. You want to see open doors for ministry. Randy and I are praying about the missions and where we need to be going and, and really uh, ramping back up where the church needs to go. We need more disciples. Uh, we need more people in HBI. We need more people in these pews, not because it's about numbers, but it is about a great battle between light and darkness. We need to, we need to man up so we can accomplish the mission of God's power for His glory. Not just uh, overseas. I'm talking right here. I would like to. I was telling someone this week, man, I, I need to just have a fireside chat. And tell y'all what what God's put on my heart. There's ministries I, we can't start because we just, if we did some of the ministries that would be awesome to start like soccer, we don't have the workers to take care of the kids. We would overload. We're already lo, overloaded, and so we're like it's just like this tension of man, Lord, oh God, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth labors, but what we can't compromise is unity around the Word of God, right? So we gotta be we gotta be together, and I I trust that God will bring. The people that we need to accomplish the mission. I know everyone hears those people, but we need more than that, don't we? Some of you guys, how many of you are worn out? I mean, I know a lot of us. This week we're worn out. We're decorating the church. We're doing breakfast. We're, we're. Uh, a man, Steve is just running crazy, doing circles, trying to take care of things and getting the lawn mowed. And I mean, there's just a lot to do around this place. You think about adding one more thing, whew, you just want to quit. What we need is is Jesus, because there's still lost people in this community that need Jesus. And and man, guys, I just tell you, we gotta get the light on. Love one another. That's the new commandment. It's worth noting that Abraham displayed that in a picture. He was walking in the light with his brother Lot. Now Lot was a little bit off, wasn't he? He had to go to the fertile plains. But Abraham stayed right on track. When Lot needed him, you know what? Abraham was there. Until it just got so bad that only God could save Lot. Joseph, what an incredible type of Christ in the Old Testament. I don't have time to get into all the details, but he is the best illustration of loving your brethren. Walking in darkness in the Old Testament. Joseph, a young brother, was despised for his relationship with his father. The vision that God had given him, the truth of his prophecies made them mad. Even his dad was like, what are you talking about, son? You know, they they sold him. They were going to kill him. They said, well, let's just sell him for some money. Send him to Egypt. Their whole life, after they realized who Joseph was, they were afraid that he was going to drop the hammer as soon as daddy died. And after daddy died, what did he do? He loved them. He says, man, what God meant for good, or, or what, the, what, the, what uh, he meant for evil, God meant for good. I'm good. I, in essence, what he says is, I love you, brethren. You know what happened after that? God blew up the nation of Israel, not in a bad way. They expand, 400 years goes by, and they're a mighty nation. Brotherly love is what gets it done, beloved. So John simplifies this commandment for us in chapter 4 and verse 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, what? Love his brother also. So John illustrates this commandment for us in 1 John 3. For this is the message that, uh, that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, And slew his brother, and wherefore slew uh, he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know uh, that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives... For the brethren. If you're not willing to give your life for your brother, then why are you going to go out and try to give your life for someone that's lost? They're not even in your family. Obviously, we should do that. But the point is here is got to have a heart for your family if you're going to have a heart for this world. John 15 says this in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, How do we do that? Well, verse 13. Greater love had no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And so this morning, I'm only going to get one of these threes down. I could finish it up, but it'd be too late. So bringing relationships to light, the first thing that we have to do is see clearly. So I pray that when you walk through this passage in 1 John 2, 7 through 9, and even verse 10, and I'll, I'll tie these together next week a little better, you will have clarity on what's being talked about. We're not talking about the law of Moses, and we're not talking about all that. We're, although these, ver, these concepts are in the law of Moses, loving your brethren. But the reality, what we're talking about is a new commandment. Why is it new? Because it's in you. Right? This is something you and I have to own personally. Now, I pray. I think we're all in good stead. Everybody's working good together and everything. But also, it's, 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 it's possible that, that you're in a situation right now where you're lacking love. And I tell you what, if you're if you're lacking love, there's only don't, you're in the right place. I don't have it. I'll just let you know that right now. But I do have a full supply, and it comes through the Word of God and then the Spirit of God. It doesn't resonate out of your own reservoir. It comes from God on high. And if you want to have that kind of love that God's talking about, you've got to have a relationship with Him. And it starts with getting saved. Now, I suspect most of us here are born again, but if you're not saved, you need to be born again. That's where it starts. I remember when I was lost, when you're lost, I mean, you remember when you were lost and you just hated everything, man. You hated, you get mad at people, you get mad at yourself, you get mad at your dog. I mean, everything. You just get angry all the time. You're just walking around ready to pop off. Why? Because you're lost. You need Jesus. So if you're lost, man, get saved. And if you're saved, what do you got to do? Love the brethren. If you want to reach the world, what do you got to do? Of the brethren, that's the new commandment. It's the old commandment. If you want the lights to come on and be a church in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, just be like the Philadelphian church and start loving the brethren. And man, I tell you what, God will do it. So there's some what, some practical things you could do this week. Well, you could be a part of what we're doing at VBS. You could if you're just like lounging around this week and you're like, hey man, uh, I don't want to do anything because uh, I don't, uh, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Hey, turn off the television or whatever and get out here and help us. We need some help. Chris, could you take more help? Would you be able to put them to work? So Chris could put you to work. That, that's giving us some love. Now, I'm not laying a guilt trip on you. Some of you can't do that. You got other commitments. That's understandable. But what I'm saying is find ways to engage. Find ways to help. I had a young lady come up to me. She's not even 18. She's like, can I help with the children's ministry? I'm like, don't move. Let me get you, let me get you connected. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. But it isn't about just physically working, but it is about letting people know you care about them. And so find ways to do that. Take people to lunch. Grab someone. Go visit your dad today. Let him know you love him. Let people know you love him and be sincere. Ask God to give you that. And you know what? He will. That's a prayer he's going to answer. He's commanded it. And he will give you what you need to accomplish his mission, his power, for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning just to think about uh, what it is to have uh, these.